All right, all right. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Super excited this morning to be able to share uh, God's word with you. Um, it's such a privilege to share and to walk through Philippians with our phenomenal president, Dr. Doug Graham. Can we give it up for Dr. Graham? Appreciate you, sir. Hey, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, or if you don't have any of those, you can check it out on the screen. We're going to start at Philippians 1, 3 through 11. I'm going to ask us to do something differently today. Let's all stand as we hear the word of God read to us. Joy in jail, Philippians 1, 3 through 11. And it reads, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who had begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more. In knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. I want to talk to you all about joy and partnerships. Joy in Partnerships. When you think about the word partner, what, 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 do you, what comes to mind? Um, some might say when I think about uh, a partner, I think about my boo. Hey. Do we still say that? Do we still say boo? Okay. All right. I'm a little relevant. Hey, that's my bae over there. My bae is watching. Hey, bae. Some would say... Uh, that when I think about partners, uh, I think about that's my, that's my homie, that's my friend, that's my comrade. Uh, others might say uh, that when I think about partner, I think uh, about a friend with benefits. Um, and, and oh, let me pause right here and say this. We don't condone that. Amen, somebody. Okay, y'all shouting good. Webster defines partners as uh, one associated with um, another, especially in an action. Uh, I believe in the urban context and I have an urban ministry degree, so I have to give a shout out to UrbanDictionary.com. Um, <laughs> urban, UrbanDictionary.com. Don't use this. Well, maybe some profs will let you use this in your, in your writing. But anyway, um, they call a partner a person that you will have at some point. I don't think we condone that either, um, unless it's in the boundaries of marriage. Amen, somebody. Oh, I got a good shot over there. 
Um, but I want to talk to you about the biblical perspective of partnership. You see, partnership in this context, um, and don't trip over the word, is the word koinonia, koinonia. And I love what Dr. Tony Evans says about koinonia. He says, koinonia, biblical fellowship, concerns itself not with cookies and punch in a, in a fellowship hall somewhere or some social gathering where, you know, you high five it. He says, authentic biblical fellowship or partnership means the mutual sharing of the life of Christ between his family members. Look at your neighbor and say, what up, fam? Yeah, yeah. What up, fam? What up, fam? You, you got permission. Don't say that. Again, don't write that in your paper either. And I want to say right up top that there is joy in partnership. Yes, that's right. If you don't get anything else out of this text, I want you to get this. If you want to have joy, you need partnerships. So we're continuing our series, A Joy in Jail. And this semester, maybe next semester, uh, Dr. Graham and I will just walk through the book of Philippians and we'll learn lessons along the way that will teach us how to navigate uh, with joy in difficult situations. Remember, Paul penned this paragraph of scripture and even this epistle from jail. He's not behind the desk. He's sitting in jail. He's a man on trial because he preached the gospel in a way that caused trouble and he was thrown in jail. He was in imprisoned unjustly, yet he still maintains joy through it all. Paul is joyful and he loves this church. Now, you must understand, Paul wasn't always happy with churches. For example, um, I mean, the church of Corinth, uh, they were a trip. He gave them the bombastic side eye. But, but, but... Paul loved the church of Philippi. This epistle is a, a letter of friendship. Remember, again, Paul is writing from jail to friends who did not forget about him. And in this particular paragraph of scripture, he wants his readers to know and ultimately all of us to know that in order to have joy, you must first of all know that there is joy and powerful partnerships. Everyone say powerful, powerful partnerships. Look at verse three. We're going to walk right through the text. It says this. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Paul opens this paragraph of scripture thanking God for the gift that is this church. He says, I thank God for you. I'm in prison, but I thank God for you. I'm locked in jail, but I have joy. Paul thanks God for the people he is in partnership with. But not only is this uh, text filled with thanksgiving, it's also filled with joy. He goes on to say, always praying with joy for all of you in every one of my prayers. I love what the late theologian, Dr. Gordon Fee, says about this text in relationship to joy. He says, thus the whole passage abounds with joy and affection, focusing primarily on their role of partnership in the gospel, the very stuff of friendship. You see, Paul could be wrongfully in prison and still have joy. Why? Because according to verse 5, of the partnership in the gospel from the first day 
until now. Paul said that the church of Philippi are his day ones. Yeah. They're his friends. They have been his partners in the gospel from the very first day until now. Paul's passion was the gospel. He bled the gospel. He was devoted to the gospel. He loved the gospel. And here's a tip. Let me just pause right here and say this. Get you some folks who are passionate about the gospel exploding in your life. I have discovered that life gets hard sometimes. But if you have people who can remind you of the good news as you're going through, they can help you remember that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you get some folks who are connected to the gospel, they can help you remember that Jesus said to you, I am always with you to the end of the age. Paul tells the church that they need partnerships. About two years ago, my friend and colleague, Jeremy Williamson, uh, introduced us to the redwood trees, the, the redwood trees. These trees are some of the largest living organisms in the world, and they can be found along of the California coastline. The redwoods are 300 feet high. Some of them are about 40 feet around. Some of them have been there for 250 years, I would imagine that they are a beautiful sight to behold. But here's the point. The trees are huge because they grow in groves and their roots grow and interweave underground. No interweaving, no growth, no connectivity, no growth, no gospel-centered, I said gospel-centered partnerships, no gospel-centered progress. Paul was in jail penning this beautiful epistle. He knew that if you want to have joy, you must have powerful partnerships. And also that there is joy in purposeful partnerships. Oh, it's about to get heavy. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Um, text says this, I am sure of this. He who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it's, it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This text has a, a lot of meaning. The text says that God will finish what he started in your life. Okay, I believe in crowd participation. So look over to your left and to your right and say, God will finish what he started in your life. Come on, say it. God will finish what he started in your life. Yeah, go ahead and it's okay to talk. It's okay. God will finish what he started in your life. But I, I, I want to take a turn here and drive home another point, because Paul is also saying in this text, I am confident the partnership that we have will continue until the day of Christ Jesus. But what does that have to do with us today? Now, I know we believe in applying the text. So I would say this text has a lot to do with us today. You see? If Paul had joy because he brought the church of Philippi into his life, 
My question to you is, who are you bringing into your life to partner with? Let me say it another way. Who are you trying to keep out as a partner that God might be asking you to bring in? If it's a partnership that brings Paul joy, whose joy are you trying to rob by not being in partnership and friendship with them? You know, sometimes we have our cliques and our our crews. We have athletes with athletes, academics with academics. We have all of these things. We have our favorite friend group. Uh, Some of you are, are, are only in one group and you're missing out on the riches of relationship. Who are you robbing of joy right now by not partnering with them? But another question is, what joy are you robbing from yourself by not being in partnership? Here's the deal. If you want to have joy, you need purposeful partnerships and purposeful partnerships might take you out of your comfort zone. But in this place, according to the text, when you're out of your comfort zone, you will experience joy. Joy is connected to us going beyond ourselves and dare I say, partnering with who we see as the other. Text says, indeed, it's it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you, verse seven, in my heart and you all are partners with me in grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. What does this grace of God mean? Well, you have to look at the text. Come on, look at the text right there in the text. Look at it. Church of Philippi was with him, both in his imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Here's the thing. We want to be partners with folks who's winning all the time. Let me just say it like that. I mean, we, we love to be with partners. Hashtag, well, you don't hashtag anymore. Uh, winning. But what about when people are down? Remember, Paul is in prison. And the church of Philippi was still there for him. They were, Paul, they were with Paul when he was preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and when he was in prison. What about us? Who are we with? Who are we hanging with? Are we only connecting to those who are winning in society? Are we only connecting to those who are the big ballers and the shot callers? Yep, I said it. (laughs) We need to be with people in the valley and when they're on the mountaintop. See, the partnership was not a convenient issue. They weren't with Paul when it was beneficial for them. No, they were with him when he was preaching that Jesus is Lord. And, and this, is, this is important because um, as citizens of the empire in that time, their lives were on the line when they declared that Jesus was Lord. What they essentially were saying was um, they believed that Jesus was more powerful than the Lord at that time, Caesar. Now, this declaration could get you killed. 
But the church of Philippi was willing to partner with Paul and declare that Jesus is Lord. These are the kind of partnerships that we need in our day. We need to connect with folks. Come on here, somebody. We need to connect with folks who are declaring that Jesus is Lord. Partners who will say, I am with you. I believe in you. Partners who will hang with you in the good times and the bad times. Bottom line is this. When you are in partnerships, when you are in partnerships with others, there's a significant joy that's connected to that. But who are we partnering with? Are we partnering with people who Build us up? Are we partnering with people who can advance us? Are we partnering with people that we can advance or are we only partnering with people who can benefit us? Who are we partnering with? Kingdom partnerships, they just don't simply benefit me. They benefit us. The work of being partners with one another in Christ That's the work. You see, I can't be in Christ if I'm not connected to you. I can't be in Christ if I'm not connected to you. The truth is, if you are in Christ, I am obligated to be in partnership with you because I can't be all that God wants me to be without you being in my life. I'm not saying that you will not have close friends. Please don't hear what I did not say, or please do hear what I am saying. What I am saying is that we all must be connected to one another. We must love one another, and that is the work that God is finishing in our lives. You see, this is not rooted. This work is not rooted in Paul or not rooted in Philippians. This uh, work is rooted in the fit work of Christ. And this is how we know that the God of the universe is at work in us and he is finishing what he started because the work is rooted in God. Throw this picture up really quickly. Um, I'm going to say this, try to say this real fast. This is a picture of me. I don't know if you all ever heard this story before, but it was 16 years old. We decided to do um, um, uh, pray at the flagpole. I think that's coming up soon. 16 years old. Joliet Central. Shout to Joliet, Illinois. Yeah. Got two. Yes. Okay. Um, so what happened was is at 16, I gave my life to Jesus and I just wanted to partner with people. And we decided to pray at the flagpole one uh, fall day. And there were about 12 of us. We got together and we said, you know what? Let's just pray today. What happened after that was simply amazing, the partnership that was developed. Because after that day, it was so good, the prayer time was, that we decided to pray every day for the rest of the year. And it just wasn't Pentecostal folks. It was Baptists and Catholics and Methodists and Presbyterians and blacks and whites and Latinos. By the way, pause. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Okay. Uh, Asian folks, all of us, Native American folks, all of us were praying like for real, for real. We would pray. 
to the point in which this partnership that I had with these folks, we then decided to start praying for our school and our principal and the behavior that was happening and the referrals that we were getting, the suspensions. And so Herald News, Joliet Herald News decided to do kind of like an article on us. And they also interviewed the principal at that time. And I think he mentioned something about a diversity there. But he also mentioned the fact that because we started praying, violence went down. Because we started praying, referrals went down. Because we started praying, the tension that he was seeing racially started to, to, to uh, subside. Because we started praying. And here's what I'm saying this morning. What would happen if we begin to partner with one another? And what would happen if we begin to have purposeful partnerships? What kind of change could happen, not just in this community, but in our world? I'm talking about black, white, uh, Asian, Latino. I'm talking about all of us, Native American. I'm talking about able body and disabled folks. What would happen if we all begin to come together and say, man, I'm going to be in partnership with you? What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Change will happen. It's right here. 16 years old, we decided to be a radical bunch of believers that would seek the Lord and we watch change happen. And that's the charge for us. We need powerful partnerships and purposeful partnerships. And then let me go down to court here and finish this. We need, we need to know that there is joy in prayerful partnerships. There, there is. There's joy in prayerful partnerships. Paul said, verse 8, God is my witness. I miss you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. But actually, let's do something different. Man, you can come up. Let's do something different. We're going to end this way. Stand up for a minute. I'm just going to bless you right here. Listen to what Paul says. Verse 9. And let's not miss this, right? Verse 9. Go to verse 9 for me, please. And, and, I, and he said, and I, and I pray this. This is what Paul prayed. He said, I, I pray for you. Church of Philippi. I pray for you, North Central. I'm praying. Let's put ourselves in this. What are you, what are you praying, Paul? Here's what I pray. I, I pray that your love will abound in knowledge in every kind of discernment. I pray, North Central, as we hear the prophet Paul talking to us this morning. I pray, North Central, that your agape your unconditional love will abound. That word, I love that word. It's pereseuo. It means, it means to do too much. It means to be extra. I pray that your love, North Central, would be extra. And, and that you would have knowledge, not just knowledge about, but knowledge of. I pray that you would know the depths of the knowledge of God, that you would know that, that God has a love for you and for people. I pray, North Central, that you would understand the depths of God's love. I pray this. But, but, but why, do I, why do I pray this? Why do I pray this? So that according to verse 10, hmm, you may approve the things that are superior. I pray 
that you will be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. You know, I, I said this to the freshmen. I'm going to say this to us in just about a few months here. We're going to go into an election cycle. And if we're not careful, I'm not saying that I'm a prophet, but I'm saying what I know and what I've seen. If we're not careful, we'll let our political parties determine our partnerships. Ooh. I'm going to say that again. That felt good coming out of my mouth. We'll let our political parties determine our partnerships and not the Christ who we all live and serve. So Paul says, I pray that at the end of the day, you would be able to discern. Can we go to the 10th verse, please? You'll be able to discern what's superior so that you live for Jesus, the one that really matters. I pray, I pray now that verse 11, it says, I pray that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. How many love to praise God? Just lift up your hands. If you just, I, I love to praise God. Yeah. I love to glorify God. Well, what if I told you that in this text, the way that we glorify and praise God is that we live in a superior way, in a righteous way, between God and between one another. The Bible says if you really want to glorify and praise God, we're supposed to live pure, superior, blameless, and righteous lives before God and before one another. Would you just lift up your hands right there? That's what I pray for you today. I pray in the name of Jesus, as Paul prayed, that your love will keep on growing. Keep on growing. We will not let society determine our love. God determines our love for one another and for him. And I pray that you would do this and you would have knowledge and every kind of discernment to discern what's right, that God would give you the ability, gift us the ability to discern what's right and what's wrong with society and be able to speak prophetically in a way that would capture the hearts of people so that we can give glory and praise to God. I pray that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. May we give glory and praise to our great God. Father, in Jesus' name, we need your help. We recognize, God, that we cannot fulfill this prayer of Paul without depending on your Holy Spirit. So God, we ask in these moments that you would give us your love. Father, I come against everything that might try to stop this community from living in unity. And I pray, God, that your very spirit would unify us in Christ. 
Now, unity, we know, does not mean uniformity, but it does mean that we are all surrendered to Jesus. May that be our posture today, Father, and we will give you praise and we will give you glory for what you're doing in our midst in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you leave, before you leave, perhaps you heard this word and I'm going to ask staff faculty if you can come up. Perhaps you heard this word or you've heard words throughout this week and you're like, man, I just need prayer today. I just need prayer. I need you to call out to God for me. I want to partner with you in prayer today. We want to partner with you in prayer today, praying for your needs. So if you need prayer right now, we're going to turn this room into a prayer room and we're going to call out to God and ask us, ask him to fill us with his love, with his power, with this joy, with this spirit so that we might walk in the ways in which he's calling for us to walk. So come on down, come receive prayer. You can lift up. This is the house of miracles. Let's do that. And we're going to just sing. And at 1140, if you have to go, that is cool. But Father, bless everyone. May they understand homework and holiness this week. Come on, somebody. Homework and holiness this week. No tripping, no dipping, no slipping. Hey, man, somebody. But getting your work done. We'll see you uh, next week. God bless.